If you would, and let's turn to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. Uh, go ye kids. Head on out there. And just a very short psalm, a song. It says here in the notes, if you have those in your Bible, uh, it says, David encourages himself in God against his enemies, the providence and the justice of God to the chief musician, a psalm of David. And so, uh, the reason I want to bring that out is this is one of the psalms that is signed. It is attributed to David. And he's going to make some statements in here that uh, we must keep in the uh, context of the psalm. And so let's just read all seven verses here very carefully as we go through. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountains? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven, his eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of man. men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked in him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and in horrible tempest this shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. And as we read this psalm, we're just going to work our way through the um The verse 3 is a question that really just has uh, arrested my attention on on many occasions. It says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And of course, uh, the first thought there is the foundations of our faith. We have uh, a Bible, we have church, we have salvation based on the testimony of this book called the Bible uh, everything that we know is right here. And if those foundations be destroyed, what can we do? Uh, there is no place to go, but I want to challenge you. That was not the question necessarily in that context that the psalmist was asking. You see, the foundations cannot be destroyed. You see, the world thinks... That because the majority of scholars now agree that our King James Bible is really just just a translation of the Word of God. We don't know where it is. We uh, that's that's what you learn if you pick up a book anywhere. Uh, almost uh, people have abandoned the authority of the Word of God, and and I will tell you, once you do that, where are you going to go? You've only got one person to answer to now, the reflection in the mirror, because you've just become God. You see, the issue is not searching for truth. People would love to have you believe that. In fact, if you'll apply that to the political uh, battles that we have raging in our country today, you, you will then begin to really understand what's going on 
It's not about what is true and what is not true. It's who's in control. That is the issue. That's why we have all these crazy things. Uh, the speaker now wants to put the president in jail. Uh, and yet she was the one who had a Chinese spy as her cho- cho- chauffeur for how many decades? Uh who was passing along information and all kinds of stuff. I mean, normally you get in trouble for that. But, no, the issue is not truth. The issue is control. That's what creation versus evolution is all about. It it's not, has nothing to do with searching for truth. These scientists have not yet to uncover one truth that's actually a truth that supports evolution. Um... They, uh, uh, Darwin did his big study on the finches uh, on the Galapagos Island and how they changed their colors and all of this. And, and that is what he builds, uh, uh, um, what is that called? Something select, natural selection. And uh, you go to the Grand Canyon and they'll tell you that it's, or deserts in Arizona, it's not really Grand Canyon, uh, but... The, uh, the cactus realized that uh, predators would be after its store of, of liquid water inside, and so it grew spines to protect itself. Now, I do understand houseplants are pretty smart, but they're not, not that smart. Uh, you know, the, the simple thing is animals match uh, their environment. There is lots of... Incredible camouflage on there. One of my favorites is, uh, this was just one of those little cartoons I watched as a kid. They had the chameleon and he jumped on the screen and blended in with the blue and plink. And then there was a plaid and he started screaming, I can't do it, I can't do it. I just love that. Uh, uh, if you remember those things when you're a little kid. But the issue here is... David is saying in verse 1, In the Lord put I my trust. You see, you got to start from the right place. In the Lord put I my trust. Uh, Brother Dave, can you just, this fan just down a little bit. It keeps blowing my Bible page. Uh, I wish I could keep it up. It's hot up here. But... Uh, It says, in the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may shoot privily at the upright in heart. How many Hollywood films are about some person going down the street on their average norm and then... Boom! Everything turns into a nightmare and all of a sudden they're the only person that can save the universe. And I mean, it just gets more and more bizarre as Hollywood people make more and more crazy movies. David is saying here, and did he not... You could actually turn that up just a little bit more. Um, Sorry. Um, did not David have many occasions to hide himself from, as he was running from King Saul? Did not David have many occasions uh, to seek 
protection, to be worried about people trying to ensnare him. Uh, I think of the story, though it's just by application of Nehemiah, as he had all those different people calling him, sending him letters saying, you know, we need to meet and talk. And while they had their goon squad uh, secreted there trying to uh, uh, ensnare Nehemiah, trying to entrap him. And here's what David said. He said, in the Lord put I my trust. If I am trusting in the Lord... Why are you telling me to flee as a bird to my mountain? To go find a place to protect myself. Uh, I've had preacher friends over the years say, Well, listen, you live in New York City. You better be ready. This was before 9-11. They don't say it afterwards. He said, When it happens, you'll need to be ready. I, I promise you, if you live in this city, when it happens, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get stuck in this city. You're not going anywhere. Uh, they close the bridges, and even if they don't, all the people in their cars will. Uh, I mean, you just can't move. So, instead of worrying about everything that's going on in the world, can we put our trust in the Lord? That's, that's what this psalm is talking about. Because the wicked have always bent their bow. They're always trying to figure out a way to shoot at the upright in heart. And the, the cowards never do it honestly or with integrity. They never want to stand and actually do battle with someone. I mean, that is the new mantra of the millennials is, nah, I'm okay. I don't want none of that religion stuff. Would, would you even be willing to open a Bible and talk about it? No, I don't need to. I know everything. Uh, okay. Um, you know, wait a minute. The wicked have always been there. They've always plotted and they always planned. And here's an answer. If you run into one of the black helicopter crowd and if you know of whom I'm speaking, uh, take warning. And if you have, what's, what's that? Don't worry about it. You haven't met them yet. Just thank the Lord. There has been no one who thought they had power to control societies or the world that didn't try to do it. Great, uh, probably one of the best examples in modern history was Adolf Hitler. He had continental Europe in total lockdown. The only free countries in Europe was Switzerland, Spain, and Portugal. And uh, they all claimed to be neutral, but in the truth, they, the Nazis had their spies everywhere. They could have done anything they wanted, anytime they wanted. Hitler had what he wanted, but what did he do? He attacked Russia. Why? Because it wasn't enough. He's going to control the world. You see, these people that talk about the smoke-filled rooms and the Illuminati and the whatever, the Rothschilds and all the rest of those people, um, if they could do one-tenth of what they say they can do, they'd be doing it. 
trust me on that one. Uh, if you ever meet one of these nutcases that tried to tell you that 9-11 was an inside job and the Israeli Mossad did it, just tell them to put their turban back on and move to the Middle East where they belong, where there's so much freedom. Uh, ridiculous. Could not. Could There were too many people that would have to keep secrets. And let me tell you, it doesn't work. Never works. Can't happen. I put my trust in the Lord. What can the world do? Hello? Why are we discouraged when we have setbacks, when things don't go the way we want, when... when when we face problems, if in the Lord put I my trust, what am I afraid of? I'm not afraid of the dark. Just what might be in the dark that I can't see, right? Wait a minute. I don't need to fear anything in that way. Okay, there are certain things you ought to be afraid of. Working on an electrical panel, if you don't know what you're doing, be afraid. Don't touch it. It's not safe. Uh, Even if you do know what to do, it's still a very dangerous thing. I mean, there's lots of dangerous things in this world. But what we're talking about is imagination. What we're talking about, what are we going to, what's going to happen if... I mean, how many times have you scared yourself silly just thinking about what could possibly happen? And then we go to amusement parks and pay incredible fees to sit in seats and do ridiculous things that make us feel afraid. I I don't get that. Uh, I I stopped that stuff long, long ago. Not because there's anything that terrible, but I just said, listen, if I'm going to be scared, let me get busy serving the Lord. There's enough to make you afraid. Uh, I don't need to pretend. Amen. And here's then he asked the question. He said, listen, I put my trust in the Lord. Put I my trust. He said, why are you telling me to be afraid? The, the wicked have always hidden and tried to privately attack the upright in heart. Then he asks a question. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? He's saying, if the foundations be destroyed, he says, we have no hope. It's not going to do you any good to worry. Because it's a lost cause. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I believe a very parallel passage. He says, if we have hope only in this life of the resurrection of Jesus, what? We are of all men most miserable. He says, but now is Christ risen from the dead. I want to tell you that's a foundation that even though the world denies it, refuses to believe it, Whatever they want, the foundation has not been destroyed. You remember the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. As he ended that, he used a a very vivid illustration. He said, the wise man built his house upon a rock. It had foundations. The storms didn't move it. 
The foolish man built without foundations. Do you see what the psalmist is saying here? He said, I put, in the Lord put I my trust. I love the way it's worded in the King James because it makes you stop and think about it. It's not, I just put my trust in the Lord. It's in the Lord put I my trust. You, you've got to stop. You've got to say it. You've got to look at it carefully or you're not going to quote it exactly as the Bible says. And if those foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If there is any way to erase the Word of God. I love the quote by John uh, William Dean Bergen, actually. Uh, he was a professor at uh, Oxford University, uh, the middle to the latter part of the 1800s. And uh, his, his special area of study was the manuscripts of our New Testament in the earliest centuries of the church. And this is what he said. He said, if we could take every copy of the Word of God existent in the world today and destroy it, so that there was not one copy of this Bible... He said, I could go to the ancient libraries of this world and rebuild my Bible phrase for phrase out of the quotations in the writings of men. Now, I challenge you that will never have to be done because God promised he would preserve his word. Amen? But I want you to understand his word is so well preserved that even if we were to lose this, we can go into the libraries and rebuild our Bible, the most quoted book in all of history. There are more books written about the Bible than there are any other book. There are more books written to explain the Bible. Most of them don't do a very good job. Um, We just need to say that right out front. If you want the commentary on the Bible, if you've been around here very long, you know where the commentary is. It's in The Bible. Use your Bible as a commentary. That's why your daily reading schedule is so important. If you do not familiarize yourself with the entire Scripture, you'll never be able to make the connections that the Holy Spirit wants us to make. And he's just simply saying, listen, if you do not build your life on the foundations of who God is and His Word, you're not getting anywhere fast. You're, you, you, can't, you can't make it work. He says, I'm not afraid. Why are you telling me to be afraid? My trust in the Lord is, is strong and it keeps me. He says, if, those found, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now look at verse 4. He answers it. The Lord is in His holy temple. Now, remember I pointed out that this was a psalm of David. Who built the temple? Uh, Solomon did, didn't he? After David was dead. So, what temple is David talking about? Well, let's look at the next phrase. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Now, Can we find evidence in our Bible that the temple of God is in heaven? Can we do that? 
I see some heads going up and down. You're right, we can. We go to the book of Revelation. We go to the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says that Jesus is not entered into the holy places made with hands, but into heaven itself. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 8, an angel is given much incense to offer on the golden altar before the throne of God with the prayers of the saints. What is that golden altar a picture of? What was in the temple? What was in the tabernacle before? All of these... Moses built the tabernacle. How? If you'll read carefully in the book of Exodus... It says, after the pattern that was showed thee in the mount. While Moses was up there on Mount Sinai, God pulled back the veil and let Moses look into heaven and say, now this is the one that's in heaven. This is what I want you to build one on earth just like it. And here's the materials I want you to use. You see, the foundations cannot be destroyed. But you can choose not to build on them. And if you do, you need to understand something. The Lord is in His temple. The Lord's throne, where is it? It is in heaven. Now look at the next phrase. His eyes behold... His eyelids try the children of men. Do you realize the Lord is watching? How many of you remember King Asa? The eyes of the Lord run true and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. You see, Asa figured a way to get out of his problem without building the answer to that problem on the foundation of God's Word, just using the thought process of his own mind, and it worked like a charm. He just sent a great big amount of money to the king of Syria and said, Hey, you and I have a new agreement. You bother the king of Israel. Break your agreement with him. Here's enough money to make you feel like... And he said, listen, I don't care who's paying the money. I'll bother, I'll bother anybody as long as I get enough money to make it worth my while. But that wasn't God's way of doing things, was it? The Lord is watching. His eyelids try the children of men. You know, there's not a time in our lives where we'll be completely free, any of us, from hypocrisy, doing the right things for the wrong reasons. You know what? We, we need to be reminded. Those foundations are there. They're not moving. The Lord is on His throne. He is in heaven and He can see right down here into our auditorium, into our very being, and He can read... Uh, our thoughts. He trieth the righteous. Uh, in verse 5, it says, The Lord trieth the righteous. G- 
you know the Lord is going to test us? He, he is going to put us through difficulties. How many of you have ever tried to work out at the gym or get on some exercise regimen? I mean, it usually lasts, what, two weeks? I mean, that's why these gym memberships are always at least one month paid in advance. Because uh, even if there's no contract, they want the month because they know that they're still going to make out like bandits. You won't be there. Um, Listen. The Lord trieth the righteous. If you don't put forth the effort, you don't build muscle. Do you know how easy it is to build fat? You don't have to work at that. It, all you've got to do, uh, two exercises. Pull-ins and push-outs uh, from the table. Amen? Just pull yourself in, fill it up, and when you're done, push out, go get some more. And, and listen, you can... Uh, You know, it's amazing what can happen when you're not trying, isn't it? But if you try to lose weight, that's not the easiest thing in the world. We had that little bike ride and I said, listen, I'm not going to get caught flat footed. I'm going to. I'm going to get my bike out. I'm going to exercise and and warm up before the bike trip. Uh, You see. The Lord tries us. Now, wait a minute. Can I put my trust in Him? Oh, so when He tries me, I don't need to worry now, do I? Because the Lord is going to test. If He didn't put some testing to it, where would my faith be? How strong would it be if I never had to work at it? But the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, brimstone, and horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. You know, down through the ages, we we have a history of wicked people trying to destroy other people and hurt other people. You know what? Nero thought himself to be the greatest of all the Caesars. You know what? Today, you wouldn't even name a dog Nero now, would you? Not unless it was a dumb dog. Uh, And yet, this was the king who was going to rebuild the entire city of Rome and name it Neropolis after himself, the city of Nero. Um. There was some family a while back here in the United States that wanted to name their kid Adolf Hitler something. And when when they filled out the birth certificate, the judge put a stamp on it and sent it back and said, you can't do that. We're we're not going to let you honor uh, one of the most infamous criminals in all of history here in this country, in this state. I don't remember what state it was in. And, And so they literally... Uh, that birth certificate was rejected, uh, and they had to come up with another name. 
You see, God promises. I, I remember, and most, um, many of us will remember, at the height of the Clinton impeachment, how that there was just that sick feeling inside. This guy is getting away with it. Was I the only one like that? But now, you look at the Clintons. Did he get away with it? Is history going to be kind to Bonnie and Clyde uh, Jr. from Arkansas? No, I mean, the history books are full of the truth of these gangsters, is what they really were, are. Nobody takes them serious. In fact, the reason Hillary was such a lousy candidate was she didn't take her husband serious. I mean, she should have known he was one of the political machinists uh, of this century. And she wouldn't listen to him. Good thing for us. Amen. You see, the Lord's not kidding. When he says he's going to destroy the wicked... It doesn't prosper. We have Bill Gates and uh, uh, Warren Buffett and all these super rich guys. And what are they doing? They're running around going, Yeah, I'm so terribly rich and I feel so guilty. I've got to give away all my money. You know what? I never have that problem. I will never have that problem. Because I give out of what God gives me to my church. And I don't have to worry about it. I have no guilt. I have no money, but I have no guilt. And I'm not worried about it because in the Lord put I my trust. Someone says, the stock market is going to crash. So, has no effect on me whatsoever. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that to be selfish or anything. Uh, the stock, my stock can't crash. It's starting churches and missions all over the world. Do you see what I'm saying here? Are you listening? God is going to take care of his people. It says, for the righteous, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. I don't know if you can remember being a little child or something, but there's just something in every little child, especially little boys. They want mother to notice. In fact, it's true of big boys, is it not? You get these great big football players on there and they're playing some big ball game and, Hi, Mom! You know, and, and that doesn't change. We like it when people notice us, do we not? Especially if they're important people. Well, here it says God's watching. That he is beholding his countenance, it says here. His countenance doth behold the upright. J. 
Jesus told the story of the talents. And well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I don't think there's any one of us that are the least bit honest, that do not in our heart, should not in our heart covet, uh, desire greatly to hear those words from God when we finally stand before Him. How do we get there? In the Lord put I my trust. I'm not going to run when the world screams wolf. Uh, I'm not going to despair when they talk about treachery and betrayal. Because the Lord's able to keep me through all those things. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If, if the foundations can be destroyed, I have no hope, so there's nothing left to live for anyway. But the Lord is in His temple and He's not moving out. He sits on His throne of heaven and He's not getting up or worried about anything that's happening in this world. He is watching, He is trying, and guess what? Each one of us have to answer directly to Him, do we not? And if we want His countenance, if we want His smile, Julia wrote a song years and years ago, uh, uh, I think the only people that ever recorded it is we put it on a tape we did in 2000 thanking churches for helping us purchase this building. But it's called The Smile on My Daddy's Face. And it likens a little child who wants their father's approval to the fact that we can have God's approval. Can you imagine that? That God would look at you. He would look at me. How, how do we do that? Well, it says right here in verse 7, The righteous Lord loveth righteousness. How do you get righteousness? You get close to Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness protects our heart. You borrow that in Spiritual terms from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His righteousness that protects us. Walk in the way that the Savior would have us walk. God wants to behold the upright. He loves it when we make choices that are in agreement with His Word. We need not to be concerned with the foundations. They're not going anywhere. That's not really, for years I read that and I said, wow, that's so weighty if the foundations be destroyed. And I begin to think of, hey, do you understand? This is why scholarship attacks our King James Bible. This is why the church, the churches out there and the, and the commentators and all of that, they, they uh, do everything they can to destroy the... the um, the understanding of what a local church really is. 
while I was there at uh, graduation week, Brother Sam shared a, a letter that he received from a student at Baptist Bible College back in the mid-90s, in the early 90s. That's when everything was changing. And he even said, when I knew you were coming for chapel, I didn't show up. He said, but I got everything I wanted. I got the rule book thrown out, the standards changed, the dress code thrown out. I got to listen to any kind of music I wanted to. And he says, now that I have it all, I realize I have nothing. And I just wanted you to know that I've changed. (laughs) And I've come to understand that there is a thing, there is a reason for separation. There is a reason for standards. There is a reason for truth and a doctrinal standard by which we can be measured. I hope he doesn't preach on that while he's here, but if he does, you won't tell him that I told you that story, right? Um, No. In the Lord... Put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. The world has all these reasons why we need to be afraid. Wrong. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you can uh, erase this book called the Bible, then then what can I do? But I'll tell you, I think I got four or five copies of the Bible on my phone. And I got a shelf of Bibles in my office. And we got Bibles in every pew here. And most of us have more than one copy of the Bible at our disposal. Do we not? You see... They can't destroy the foundations. Can anybody go to heaven and knock God off the throne? <laughs> That's silly. So why are we worried about all these things? What we need to be worried about is when God looks at me, He sees righteousness. He sees an upright heart. Because if he sees those things, I'm protected. Amen? Beautiful little psalm here. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would help us to be worried about that which we should be concerned with. 